Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my husband and co-host Jeremy. And today we are welcoming back to the show Alejandra. I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. Alejandra comes back to tell us all about her career and leadership coaching business for women. What I love about this conversation is Alejandra's passion and enthusiasm about what she does. You can just feel it. But what I love even more is her honesty and vulnerability about being a solo entrepreneur as she openly shares about the reality, the ups and downs of her business. Enjoy. Hi Alejandra, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again today. I am so excited to talk to you again. Oh, thank you for letting me come back. I am so honored to be back here with the two of you. Thank you. Last time we chat was in November 2020. And um, <laughs> we talked about your life, about your childhood, about your career, what you were doing, etc. And during the episode, you quickly talked about your plan for the future, that you might be interested at some point in having your own company and leaving your full-time job to become an entrepreneur and, and do your thing. And but it was just an idea at this point. Uh, we, it wasn't... And actually, pretty much a month later that we released the episode. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, I've quit my job. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and yeah, and since then, so since pretty much beginning of 2021, basically, you've been building your business. And uh, yeah, so I thought it'd be the best time right now to bring you back on the show. Pretty much, what, f 13, 14 months uh, after you started your, your journey to see how you were doing, to see, yeah, how, how you're experiencing your entrepreneurial life, basically. Oh my gosh, so <laughs> much has changed since then. So first, again, thank you for having me here. And for those that don't know, my name is Alejandra Hernandez. I'm career and leadership coach. I specifically work with women that are struggling to be confident leaders in the workplace. I'm also the co-founder of Opti Wellbeing Solutions, which provides corporate well-being programs to companies to help their employees remain healthy. So yes, a lot has changed over the last 14 months, where before that, as an employee, I was a career coach, but for a company. And so a lot has changed since then. And first, I mean, and foremost, one of the things going into that podcast episode that was probably either my first or my second like podcast that I had ever, ever done. Mm -hmm. And so being able to even speak and being able to tell my story was really, really big for me to be able to understand how do these thoughts even connect for me? Like I got so much out of that conversation that I had even re-listening to it. And ultimately what got me into entrepreneurship, you know, when I did that podcast episode, I was thinking about entrepreneurship. It was something that I wanted to do, you know, October of 2020, we were still that's we were still having a lot of conflict across the world with people in opposing views. And I was beginning to see that come up in the office. And I was really beginning to see, you know what, I don't know how long I'm going to stay here. But for anyone who's gone from nine to five to entrepreneurship, it just a nine to five feels like a security blanket. It feels yeah. safe. It feels like this is something that I know. And so I think that's why even for me, I wasn't in a place where I was ready to just scream at the top of my lungs that I'm ready to be an entrepreneur. It was something that I was just kind of playing around with, but I wasn't fully embracing myself. And ultimately what led me into entrepreneurship was just 
little things adding up and adding up and adding up and they just keep going until it just it's that last straw that breaks the camel's back (laughs) and for me what that was is I actually went to a retreat and that retreat was also had plant medicine there in this case it was ayahuasca and that really like first of all to be away from work for a week and then to sit with medicine and to be in a place as beautiful as Costa Rica and just be with nature and not spend time on social media and all these different things, it made me really begin to open my eyes and accept what I was denying myself, which was I'm ready to be an entrepreneur. Mm. And I was denying that because I was so scared. I was so scared of letting go. I was so scared of losing money, of going broke, of just like so many different things. But after I did that retreat, which was only a few weeks after our podcast episode, Mm. it was one of those things where it's like once you see it, once you really see something, I just couldn't unsee it. And I couldn't take it back. And it's like something I had opened Pandora's box and I couldn't close it anymore. And that's ultimately what happened. It was something where I was kind of playing around with the idea of of quitting my job and in the future having my own business. And then I had an experience where it was like, enough is enough is really the way it felt. Like it was just like a God being like, are you done or are you still going to play these games? (laughs) And I just, I had to take that leap. And so that's how I wind up going into entrepreneurship so quickly after our podcast episode. It's interesting because I think the conversations that you had within you are normal and we kind of all have them. We all contemplate these ideas maybe to do to take a risk, whatever it is, quit your job, do something, whatever. But yeah, we also, like you said, like having the paycheck coming at the end of the month, no matter what, is a nice safety net. Uh, Knowing that you have health coverage, especially in the US, or that, yeah, whatever happened, this sense of security is is present and we all have those self-limiting beliefs telling us <laughs> this little voice telling us that it's not the right time it's never the right time uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't, you're not ready for it you, you won't be ready for it mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but i think we all experience that and it's totally normal i think to experience and these kind of things um, but even if it's the medicine by itself or just some work that you did what um what was really like the thing that made you like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. What make you ignore or accept those uh, scary thoughts and, and, and overcome them? What was yeah. That? So one thing that, you know, after I did the retreat, so the retreat was seven days. I also mm-hmm. added some days afterwards where I was still in Costa Rica. So it's always really helpful that after you do plant medicine to have some days of integration. And so we decided that we would have the seven days at the retreat. And then after that, we would have like a three or four day period still in Costa Rica, but on our own. And so that's what we did. And one of the things that they said at the retreat is pay really close attention to your dreams because your dreams are going to tell you something. You still have the medicine within you. So pay attention to your dreams. And I mean, you don't got to tell me twice. I love paying attention to my dreams. Every time <laughs> if I wake up and something is like, oh my God, I got to write that down. Or I have to like tell Alvi immediately in order for me to like remember. Um, and sometimes my dreams are a little bit too complex and it's hard for me to put into words. But I was like paying attention to my dreams. 
And the very first night after we had left the resort, we were in our own place, in our, in our own um, hostel, I went to bed and I had a dream and there were two of them back to back. One of them is I was in water. I was like in some body of water and there was this animal. It, it could have been like, could have been a manatee. It was some kind of water animal. And it was just, it was, it wasn't dead, but it was as if it was, and it was just floating belly up, but then it was going like in circles as if it was like a rotisserie chicken kind of like cooking yeah. itself. It was like that. And the, the thing was just going in circles and it was just going like this in the water, but it wasn't dead, but it wasn't also doing anything. Yeah. And I remember that was the first dream. And then the second dream, I was in this haunted house. It was a house that was scary. So I call it a haunted house. And there was something that I felt was coming for me. And I was trying to run around the house to figure out my way out. And every time I reached a place, it was the same place. It's like I would try to run in this way and it was the same place. And then I tried to run this way and it was the same place. And when I woke up from that dream afraid, it was literally like it just downloaded completely. I was like, I am doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And like, it just made so much sense. It just all came together. And it's like, how many times are you going to run? How many times are you going to keep doing the same thing? How many times are you going to keep going circles and circles? And it just all made sense. And I just started journaling and journaling and journaling. And it just, it was one of those moments again, like once I opened, once I saw it, I could not unsee it. And that was it. That was it for me. It was the last thing I was like, it just, it all connected for me to make sense of what the hell I was doing. And that was going in circles from going one job to the next job to the next job and then feeling excited about the next job and then only to find out this isn't it. And I just realized like, I'm so tired of this circle that I'm playing, like I'm not playing this game anymore. That was the last thing for me. And one of the things I wanted to circle back to is we were talking about that security blanket and someone gave me this definition of the comfort zone that I really love and I wanna share here. Someone provided me with the definition of the comfort zone and it's the comfort zone, your comfort zone is the most pain you're willing to tolerate before doing something about it. Mm. The most pain you're willing to tolerate before doing something about it. And the first time I heard that, it really like stopped me in my tracks because that was that level of pain that I was no longer willing to tolerate. So it's mm. like people, for example, who are so overweight or really unhealthy it's like they're not comfortable but that is their comfort zone they keep doing it until one day they get that scare and that pain's no longer tolerable until one day you have a boss that just disrespects you to the extent that you're no longer willing to tolerate it your comfort zone is just simply this painful space that you're kind of tolerating but then it reaches a place where you're just no longer willing to do that and i had reached that place i had reached the place where i was just no longer willing to tolerate the politics that was happening in the office and straight up just like me not being satisfied with the level of work that I was doing. I just wasn't performing at my best because I wasn't happy and I was just tired of seeing the same thing play over and over again. And that's was the last draw for me. Mm. I never heard this definition before yeah. and it's, it's yeah, it's I, like it. I like it. Yeah. It is. Um, and I compare it to so many different things. Like I had this toothache that was so, I was just like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Every time I eat, I have to floss. I have to floss, but I wouldn't go to the dentist. It was just this pain I was tolerating 
until one day something got so stuck that I literally was terrified that I was not going to be able to ever get this out. And I made a dentist appointment the next day. It's like I had reached that level of pain that I could no longer tolerate. And so I really like that definition because it's a way for us to begin to see what our comfort zone really is. And we have the choice if we want to be proactive or if we want to wait until that pain is completely intolerable because it is our choice. Hmm. Yeah. What, what I thought about when you said that is about you, Rosie, about switching diet. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and switch to like a gluten and, and dairy-free diet yeah. to to have less pain and stuff like that. So yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, I, I was think. ill for a couple of weeks. And well, I've been ill for yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, I just so saw Tommy and eventually did some tests and... and I was like, no, I'm done with this. And now I'm on gluten and dairy-free and I'm no longer in pain. And it's like, wow, I don't wake up in the middle of the night like writhing around in the bed in pain or I'm not like feeling sick in the evenings. And it's like you get to that place where you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I need to make a change. Like I was just comfortable. I was just like, okay, I'm just, I just can't say I have a sore tummy. Never mind. It's just the way it is. And now I'm like, okay, I now don't have a sore tummy. Wow. But, yeah, it's, yeah. it's an interesting definition to hear mm. it that way. Like it's just. Yeah. Cause I feel you can apply this definition <clears throat> to many, to more things than just, you know, career or uh, self-development or whatever. It can apply to many things because it's very, a very open definition. Yeah. Um. So you decided to quit and you did quit, but did you feel you were ready did i feel what did you feel ready did you feel like i've got this no <laughs> no absolutely not i was so sick like literally my body was physically sick as if i was going through some kind of illness because mentally it was all mental i was just mentally yeah. so distraught and scared of quitting my job that physically it was showing up in symptoms as if like nausea, like wanting to throw up, like just like stomach, like knots in my stomach. Like I just don't feel well. And I would have nights where I would get it because I knew I was going to quit. And then it was maybe like 10 to two, 10 days to two weeks before I actually went in and had the conversation, uh, maybe like 10 days. And so like in that, those 10 days were just awful because I was like so sick. I was feeling so terrible. I was so afraid. And I would have these conversations with my partner, Alvi, and he would just like calm me down. And sometimes I would like cry. And he was just so supportive and so understanding because I can look back now and be like, girl, you were so <laughs> dramatic. Like I was just having such a hard time. And he was like very, very patient with me. So I wasn't ready at all. And what you said is so real is most of the time you're just not going to feel like you're ready. It's most of the time you're really not going to feel that. And it's just this leap and someone that is ready to make that leap is really only ready because they've had enough of what they've been doing so mm. far. And so that's really where I had reached. I was just like, I'm ready because I'm tired of doing this, but I also didn't feel ready because I was really scared of what could happen. And so that was really how it's unfolded for me. I had to really focus on like, what's this next step going to be? What's the next step going to be? And Jeremy, you gave me the little bit of advice that I just live with all the time. And that was like, <laughs> nothing goes as quickly as you think it will go. And it was yeah. just such like, when you said it, I was like, uh-huh. It's like my, I had someone tell me like launch mode is really, being in launch mode as a coach is really exhausting. And I remember I heard, I was like, okay, yeah. And then I went into launch mode and I was like, oof, I know what she means. And that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. Like you were like, oh, okay, things don't happen as quickly as you plan them to. And I was like, okay. And then at like the two month mark, I was like, oh my God. So yeah, I wasn't ready for any of these things. And oftentimes my 
ignorance is what kind of just allowed me to keep going because had I known, like if you could actually give me the living experience of the darkest days that I've had as an entrepreneur, had I actually had that experience beforehand, I don't think I ever would have gone into entrepreneurship. Had I truly Mm. known the darkest days you can have, like those days where you just feel straight up alone, that bank account just keeps shrinking, you don't know where your next client, like if I had really understood that, I don't think I ever would have gone into entrepreneurship. But that's the beauty of this ignorance is you go in and you just hope for the best and you take it one step at a time and you keep going. And that's really the difference. It's not about being ready, but are you willing and committed to keep going even when you have those challenges because they're guaranteed. That's so, super interesting. Yeah. But so talk us through the first couple of months then, because you quit your job and you're already doing career coaching. Did you already know that was what you were going to do as an entrepreneur or did it take you some time to figure it out? Like what was the first couple of months like in terms of figuring out you as your own business? Yeah. So one of the things that was interesting is I had planned, what I had planned was I was going to give essentially like a notice in early December And then I would officially launch in January. And then one thing that happened that was a lot for me that I I had to process and and let go of is I put in my notice and said that I would stay basically through the end of the year. And then about like four or five days later, they were basically called me in and they were basically like, yeah, today can be your last day. And then like that same day was my last day. And I was just like, oh, okay. So it was just like, super surprising for me. And it was such a big lesson for me because it was one of those big reminders that we always have to remember that business is business and that's okay. And I think we can get really caught up in this, like, this is my family, especially as women. I don't want to leave them behind. I just feel so bad. I just need to do all these things. And then it's like day of, all right, bye. And it's just like, oh, okay. It was like a really big reminder of, oh, okay, I've always got to remember these boundaries. I've got to remember that work is work. And these can be people that, you know, are people that I have a relationship with now and work is work and business is business. So I had to do some actually forgiveness and healing around that because it was very, I personally took that very difficult. Mm. It was really, I felt really, in a, in a way, it just felt like almost like abandonment or betrayal. Mm. I think betrayal was maybe more of a word. Um, so I had to like process some of that. And then going into coaching, I knew I wanted to be a career coach. That was what I was doing. And I was also like in the mindset of like, this is going to grow. This is going to grow. Um, I'm also been studying human design for the past year and a half. So I was like, I'm going to begin implementing human design. But I knew that I wanted to do career coaching. And so I started that in January. I started to do like a bunch of, you know, marketing and showing up on Instagram. That's what I first started to do is like, let me begin to market myself. And then tragically, three weeks later in January is when my father unexpectedly passed away when he was in Colombia. And so then I had this call and I was just like, holy crap. So now like, and in Colombia, it's not even like in the States. I don't know if it's like this in Europe, but in Colombia, like someone passes away, they're getting buried like the next day. It's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, seven days from now or anything like that. So I'm like in the midst of trying to figure out what's happening. And like my mom's like, you've got to book a ticket. Like you've got to leave tomorrow, like the latest. And so then I like pack my stuff. I head over to to Colombia and I'm there for about maybe four or five days. And when I get back, you know, obviously I'm grieving. I'm going through a really, really difficult time. And during grief, I'm not feeling creative. I'm not feeling motivated. And so I just hit this 
wall where I was, I like knew that I needed to do things for my business that I had just started, yet I couldn't like mentally get myself together to do anything. And then I fell into this like hole where it's like I would be hard on myself and then my partner would have to be like, you just lost a parent. Like you should probably just relax and like be with yourself and give yourself time. And as I was going through that, I maybe a month passed by. So mind you now, mid-December I'm out. Late January, my father passes away. Now we're in like mid-March and I just like look around and I'm like, I need help. I need help getting out of this. And by that point I had, because grief is really, and y'all have talked a bit about grief in terms of your own story with miscarriages. So I know people have an understanding of that. Um, If they listen to y'all, grief is such a tricky thing. And with grief, it's, I had reached a point, it was so important because I don't want people to think like, oh, you've got to keep going and just go and do something else if you're grieving. Like I, I went through, I was grieving the heaviest for a few weeks. And then I reached a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to go into my business, but I was having a really hard time. And about mid-March, I was like, I need some help. I was like, I really need to get some help because I'm having such a hard time. I feel so alone. I miss my dad and I'm grieving. And so I knew that I needed some help to get out of this rut. So that's when I reached out to a mutual friend of ours, Carlos de la Playa, who's a coach. And I asked him, hey, what coaches do you have? Because that's when I was like, I think I could use some help and I could use a coach to really just, and it was more so about just keep allowing, giving me that like, hey, this is the first step that you need to take. Just take that Mm -hmm. first step. That's what I felt I needed. I just needed some guidance so that I didn't feel the overwhelm of I need to start a business and now I'm grieving my father's death. So I wound up getting my own um, purchasing, investing in a coach, Stacey Bayman, and did her program 2K for 2K. And that is where ultimately started to get me out of the rut. Like seriously, Stacey Bayman's program was, it helped me get out because it gave me a framework. It gave me this like, hey, literally like, all you got to do is these three things, just go out there. And then it was like these steps. And I was able to provide myself with some structure that I desperately needed during a very difficult time early in my business. So the first three months were a whirlwind. They were very difficult, like personally. And that the way that it showed up professionally was obviously like I was going through this thing that already required so much mental energy and so yeah. much creativity and so much resilience and then I had this other thing that required a lot of my time my healing my you know just the grief and being open and raw and vulnerable so these things culminating together provided like a three-month period that I I would have never ever anticipated or planned Um, but that's doing that program ultimately is what helped me begin to get out and start building little by little and I just started to market myself I started to show up on Instagram more consistently I started to refine what what it was that I was doing and ultimately was like, yeah, I want to continue doing career coaching and I want to work with women, specifically women that are ready in their, to transition out of their careers, wherever they've been and into something different. And that's evolved since then. But I knew that I wanted to go into career coaching from the yeah. beginning. There are a few things here that uh, I'd like to dive into a little bit um, that you mentioned. Uh, the first thing is, obviously you had very special and tragic uh, reason to hit this wall but I think as a creative or an entrepreneur uh, we all hit a wall at some point 
to create to, to work on whatever we're working on we feel uninspired and and because just you don't even have to have a reason just some days you know you just <laughs> don't feel like it and sometimes it's longer or whatever but, and i'm sure you had those days again since you started right uh what's your advice to overcome that to keep going when you just don't feel like it yeah so i think this is where so much is it's so important to have a really deep awareness about who you are and where you are because some people will hit that wall and on one case i think it's really important to have a community of people that support and encourage your dreams so if you're an entrepreneur it would be really important to surround yourself around other entrepreneurs because they're hitting that wall too from time to time as well and so community is a really huge thing and on the other hand some people hit a wall and genuinely you've got to take a break. Sometimes that wall is telling you enough is enough. You've got to relax for a weekend. You've got to relax for a week or this just isn't it right now. You need to take a pause. And sometimes life is telling you, you need to take a pause. And so that's why I say awareness is so important because you've got to be able to see where you're at. You've got to be able to see if something, am I, do I need to sit for a second and just pause where I am? Or do I need to really buckle down? I'm getting in my own way and I need to really keep going. So I think that's the first thing because sometimes, and that's why systems and things like that are so important so that you aren't so reliant on a business that only relies on you and you are everything. And that's usually how it is, especially at the beginning of a business. Yeah. It's usually like that. It depends on you, you and everything you do. Um, but it's always important to have the purpose of including structure and systems in place so that it's not like that forever because you're going to have those days and you've got to be able to take a break if you genuinely need to take a break. So for me, I've had a mixture of both. I've had times where I'm hitting a wall and I'm realizing, oh, okay, whenever I go to, I meet with other entrepreneurs, um, I tell them what I'm going through, I hear different feedback is a huge thing that helps me to get reinvigorated and be like, oh, okay, this is, this is something really excited for me. Mm. And then sometimes I hit a wall and it's like, I look back and I'm like, well, I've been overworking myself for the past two weeks and I also haven't been organized with my time. So when I'm doing something, I'm not really doing that whole thing in excellence. I'm doing a bunch of other things. And so nothing is actually really getting done. And then when I'm resting, I'm like scrolling on TikToks, dopamine hit after dopamine hit. So I'm not actually resting. So there's times where I hit a wall and I actually have to like pause, reflect a ton and be like, oh, okay. This is how I can move forward. So those are kind of the two different things that I would say have really supported me the most is taking an actual pause and doing reflections, actually evaluating what's been working, what isn't working, what can I do differently? Do I still like what I'm doing? Is this still a project that I want to work on? Is this still a person like where's my dissatisfaction coming from? Am I working with someone right now that isn't bringing me a lot of joy? So doing a lot of that kind of inner work to begin to see where are the things? Because if you're just trying to push through walls and walls and walls, yeah. when really what you need to do is reflect and pivot, you're just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. So those would say the two things. Hmm. Mm. But how do you shut up the voice inside you that's also telling you, I only have this amount of money saved on a bank account. I really need to make it happen before, you know, whatever, the end of next month. Otherwise, I'm fucked and I'm going to have to go back to my job, whatever. Yeah, so some of the things, I've had many times in my first year of business, many times, more than I care to actually admit, where 
I've wanted to quit, where I wanted to be like, you know what, this isn't for me. And one of the big things, uh, especially as, you know, my experiences as a coach, so I speak from that perspective, is one of the big things is if you're coaching and if you're marketing yourself and you are in that place where you're so desperate for money, you can either clean that stuff up and begin to have consults with people from a place of like, I'm sufficient, I have enough, this is okay, or you got to go and get a job. And that's just like, that's just the reality of it. Because if you're showing up and you're showing up like that desperate ass salesperson at the car dealership, no one's going to want to buy from you. Yeah. It's, it's the reality. And I've been there. So I know it. I know this from a very, like, I'll get off a call and be like, damn, that was so grimy. And it's like, I had to learn these lessons and it sucks. It sucks, but it has to happen. So on those days, Jeremy, where I really felt like, dang, money is low. I don't know what I'm going to do. One of the things was straight up, like I had to be like, I could get a job and I had to like really sit with that. And I'd be like, or I could get my shit together. (laughs) And there were many times where I was like, you know what? I can figure this out. I can figure this out. I can figure this out. And so that's the thing is like, are you going to generate resourcefulness and you can do it whether you stay in entrepreneurship or whether you go get a job and continue to build your business? None of those options are wrong, but you've just got to decide. And once I stopped having one of the biggest things during that inner voice is like have the pity party and then just get real with yourself. All right, I'm throwing a pity. I'm throwing a pity party right now. I'm upset because I don't have a lot of money and I don't have clients and all these things. And it's like, are you gonna go get a job, or are you gonna be okay with where you're at right now and go serve some people? And I just had to be real with myself, and that's why having a coach too is really important because it helps me break that pattern because it can get easy to fall into that. And having a coach really helps me do that. I had to just see what my choices were as opposed to feeling like my hands are tied and I'm this socks and I have no choice. It's like, no, you have a choice. So just choose, just choose and go off on your day, go get yourself a job or don't go get yourself a job and figure it out. So that's what I would say is thought like pity party, do the pity party, look at your actual choices and make a decision. I love how straight talking you are. (laughs) I love how you're like, just get your shit together. (laughs) Or don't, either way. (laughs) Fuck, it's true though. (laughs) Or don't, either way. Do you? Yeah. 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 And I had to, I really had to have those conversations with myself and I had to have coaches have those conversations with me. Hmm. Like I really, I had to have a coach who just like allowed, had to hold that space for me and be like, okay, now what do you want to do? What do you want to do about it? And so that's the biggest thing is like, what do you want to do? Because the resisting of what already is, is so exhausting. And that happens. It's like people who are in really crappy jobs. I have clients who are in jobs that they hate Mm. and they just, and they're so drained from their job that they then don't want to do anything to actually get out of that situation. They're so angry about their situation and they're so upset. And then they literally like, they they want to cry. And it's just like, cry then and what do you want to do do you want to stay at this job or do you want to find the time to figure something out and it's just like that moment where it's like you've got to make a decision because you're fighting with what already is Mm -hmm. you're fighting with what is already happening and there's no reason it's exhausting you can quit your job if you want that's your decision oh but then my okay but it's still your decision (laughs) so own it (laughs) and so that's the big thing is like uh wherever you find yourself as if you're helpless and have no choice, just reevaluate that because it's probably not helping you. We use the card, uh, I don't have a choice, way too easily in life. Like you have a choice. Like 
most humans complain about shit that it's actually the choice. I'm sorry to tell you that, but like, whatever you are, but like, it is your choice. Like you decided to be in this relationship, to have this job, to have this car, to have this house, to live in this city, in this country, to whatever it is. Uh, like it is a choice ultimately. Like yeah, it might be painful to get rid of it or whatever it is, but it is a choice. Like, sorry, it's yeah. responsibility, accountability at some point. It's, it's, it's not easy to admit sometimes, but it is what it is. Right. It's not easy sometimes. And I think the other thing, too, is like people either get caught up or sometimes it's both resisting what is already happening. And then the other thing is like feeling so guilty and the other pity party is about like all the decisions they've made like wow why did I stay at this job for so long I knew I should have left I knew I should have done all these things and it's like okay that's the same kind of narrative where it's like is how's that helping you it's like Mm -hmm. you want to learn the lessons and you want to apply it moving forward or do you want to keep crying about what you didn't do and how it led you up into these places like that's such an important thing and I think there's always space for both there's always space for you to be able to feel those feelings feel the disappointment feel the guilt feel the shame let it wash through you and move on what are the lessons learned and move on and I think that's one of the big things about for me having a coach and for coaching others is just like that constant repetition because it can get it's easy to get lost in the sauce it's easy to get lost in the in the pity it's like our brains are wired to be able to see what's wrong to be able to like just focus in on that so it's not making anyone wrong but it's just like you've got to have that awareness to snap yourself out of it and the sooner the better Mm. so I would love to talk to you about human design because I know you are very passionate about it And I would love to know how you got into it, but then also how that affects your coaching, like your personal coaching style, because I know that you integrate it with what you do with your clients. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So how did I find (laughs) human design? (laughs) So what is it first? Yeah, I was about to say, for those that don't know, human design is a system that is a synthesis of many different modalities. So it uses the chakra system, the Kabbalah, it uses astrology, and it mixes it with biochemistry. And so it has ancient wisdom and modern science mixed into it. It's based on your birth time, date, and location. And when you input that, the way that you get an astrology birth chart, for example, in human design, you get a body graph. And based on this body graph, I can look at it and begin to understand your unique blueprint, like who you are as a person individually, how you came into this world, and how you're here to unfold your purpose. And so I discovered this hmm, July of 2020, I think it was. Yeah, July of 2020, I was actually at a dinner and there were four couples there. And so in that dinner, the conversation around human design came up and I was the only person that did not know what human design was. And so I was just like, yeah, I don't know. And I'm hearing people talk about things. I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll like Google it later. And so I do, I find what my human design is. And then it had, this was actually August because it was right before my birthday. And for my birthday, Alvi, my partner gifted me. He saw how interested I was. I was like, began to read some books. I began to listen to podcasts. So he saw how interested I was. So what he gifted me was a couple of sessions with a human design coach, with a human design analyst. And once I started those coaching sessions, I was like, whoa, like the way that he unpacked so much of my body graph was really, really compelling to me. And it really sold me on this system can be so powerful in people bringing awareness to who they are and also rediscovering because a lot of times it's just aspects of you that you've oftentimes buried 
a long time ago because of your parents, because of your upbringing, because of the school system and so forth. So it did that for me. It allowed me to see some parts of me that I had denied for a really long time. And so after that, I was like, okay, I want to sign up for the actual courses. They do actual, they have education, they have a school system. So I signed up to do that. And the way that I've been implementing it and the way that I see it in my coaching is I will usually pull up their human design, they'll provide it to me. And for now it's been optional. I would say 90% of my clients will participate in it. They'll say, yeah, I would love for you to look at my human design. And so I use it for myself. And it's been so powerful because especially in human design, um, there's something called your type, which at the very highest level, think about it as like your sign. Are you a Leo or are you a Virgo? You have a type and then you have your strategy and then you have your authority. So your strategy is how you just live about your life in a way that's best aligned for you and your authority is how you are best here to make decisions. And just those pieces alone, when I use that with my clients, it is so much fun because it's magic the things that happen when they just stop the mind chatter and they just start living in their body and they start listening to what is already within them, what's already leading them. And so as a fun example, in human design, we have um, an authority that's your sacral. So that's the traditional listen to your gut. Just as soon as something, it's like you listen to your gut, where is that leading you? Is it a pull? Yes. Is it a, is it like a, like I'm pulling away? It's a no. And listen to your voice. Like, are you literally like grunting when something is offered to you and it's obvious that it's not something you want to do? So I had a client and her authority is sacral. And so I just, we began practicing that. One of the big things is just like beginning to connect with it. Cause for a long time, people stop trusting in themselves and they start living by their mind. They start putting out their pros and cons. Is this the most logical thing, but this is going to pay more money, but what if, and it's just like this, this mind process. And so she began to follow her gut reaction. And as she did that, she was really afraid of saying no to this opportunity but it was a no for her. Like she was like, yeah, it's just like, doesn't feel really great. It's like my body's telling me no. And so mm. I was like, okay. So she said no. And then they followed up with another position completely like left field was never, it's like a mm. brand new position. And she was like, yes, like she saw it. And it was like this yes for her. And the only reason that opportunity came up for her was because she trusted her gut as an authority, as yeah. a sacral authority the only reason that opportunity came up was because she trusted that and she said no, as opposed to like, okay, but this would be a good opportunity to get out of this department and I could make some more money and maybe I could, it's like, that's when we start getting super caught up. And so with human design, I still keep it very, like I use it for myself to help guide them because there's other people that are, it's best that you don't actually just in that moment make that decision. Maybe you need some more time. So I like to use it because it helps me guide my clients in a way that is best suited for them and it's really there are things that are unexplainable like this instance like you can't explain you can't logically ever predict that that's going mm -hmm. to happen but when you begin to honor yourself so much can begin to happen so much magic can begin to actually occur in your life when you actually begin to follow the things that you want to do and listen to yourself so that's how i've been using it and it's definitely going to continue to grow i'm currently getting certified as a human design um, under a human design coaching academy with a coach that i'm currently with so it's been awesome also for me to just begin to live with it on my own and see how it shows up for me so integrating that i think is so important as I think all of us should is like education is so important 
and where the juice is is really integrating that education as opposed to just gaining more and more and more and more. It's like, how do I actually begin to live by this? So that's what I encourage for myself and what I encourage for my clients too. I like the way you do it in a sense, because you know, that for me, this is gibberish, like chakra, <laughs> astrology, all that. Like, no, but it's fine. Like for me, those are things that I don't, that they don't resonate with me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I like the way you do is because, you know, let's say I sign up with you, you become my coach, right? And you ask me if I want to sign up for this human design part, I say no, but you might do my chart just for you, for your knowledge. And even if I don't believe in it or whatever, like you are going to be using this data to help me the way you think I should be helped mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without taking into account if I want to take that into account. Like you, I, I love the way you use it. It's like, how can I serve this person the best? based on how they're going to react to the way I'm going to say things or the way I'm going to uh, guide them and stuff like that. So it's it, it's great that it's making you like a better coach in a sense because you have an extra tool to very yeah. personalize and customize the way you express and the way you speak and the way you deliver your message mm-hmm. because it's going gonna, it's gonna to go better this way because this person is, uh, you know, have this chart and whatever and, you know, it's a really cool way to integrate it with what you do I think yeah and I think another thing so as a one thing as a clarification so if someone says yes and they'll give me their birth time day information then I'll use that Um, but if someone doesn't care to use the human design then I won't even like look anything up like it's just not even they don't even provide that information to me and that's fine I tell them that it's completely optional and I do think that will transform as I continue to uh, grow my education in human design. I think it just it's mm-hmm. just going to be a part of the coaching. Um, yes. So that clarification. But when people do become a part of it, even some people who are indifferent, like they're not necessarily like non-believers. I don't really attract people who are like think it's crap. But I'll attract some people who are like, sure, like I don't I don't know what it is, but okay. Yeah. And they'll just like give it to me. And with that, it is really powerful because you're saying because it's like I'm just using this as how can I best serve this person in front of me right now. Not all the clients that I have, but like this person right now, based on what I'm seeing in their human design. And I think that's the magic of it because it is so unique. It's like I have all these tools on how to build awareness that are applicable to everyone. But human design is something that's so personal. It's something that's just mm. so like this is what's this is what I think could really activate something within you and it's coaching them through that lens and sometimes for them it can be a really big challenge especially if they haven't been living according to that for a really long time like most of us who have been living out of our brains for most of our lives it can be really challenging to live more by like my gut reaction or live more by like my intuitive sense and things like that but being able to cultivate it and as soon as they get one little like wait a minute like they begin to see and they're like (laughs) and they like they yes and it because it's unexplainable things and it's really really interesting to begin to see um to see that so yeah I love using it in my coaching and it's growing little by little and so I am 
launching a mastermind in May. And for that, I'm doing the same process where everyone who wants to, you can put in your human design, your birth time, day and location. And I will have that so that even though it's like a mastermind and it's a group of 10 women, I'll still be able to see that because then you can begin to see how people have dynamics with each other. You can begin to see how one person interacts with another person. And I think it's really interesting if we begin to value our differences and see how that can make us stronger, it makes such a huge difference than when we see someone's difference as something that's threatening to us, as something that Mm. is wrong, as something that is, you know, just not in alignment with what I want to do in my life just because it's different. That is when I talk about the mastermind that I'm doing, it's about leadership and about leadership is about understanding people's differences. So much of leadership can be so difficult if you're just trying to make everyone the same. And so that's my ultimate goal with human design is being able to use it as a way for people to be strong leaders so that they can really understand not only themselves, but how they can support other people in their own unique way. Mm. So talk to us a little bit more about the mastermind. What's it about? Who is it for? Mm-hmm. give us some information in case anyone's listening and they're like oh my god i love alejandra i need to, I need to help me yeah and what, what can they expect to get from it i guess yeah absolutely so my mastermind is called trailblazer it starts in may and what it is it's a six-month mastermind the group of 10 women that will be a part of this are all women that are ready to level up in their leadership most of the women coming into this are going to be usually about 10, 12, 15 years into their career. And they're reaching that level where they're like, I just want to get to that next level. I want to get to that director level. I want to be able to maybe start my own business, but I just keep stopping myself. Like there's something there that's really kind of just, they need that push to reach that next level. Because one of the biggest things is we're not well equipped to be leaders. We're really well equipped to be doers, to take instruction and to do things. And that's why entrepreneurship can be so difficult because we haven't cultivated that so what i want to do is i want to create a space where we're entering on what it is to be a leader whether it's in the workplace or whether you want to start your own thing and so for six months we're going to be meeting bi-weekly where i will be leading those calls but obviously in a mastermind the whole purpose is that people can support each other it's Mm -hmm. being able to have a bunch of different minds together and be able to create and learn things that you never would have been able to learn on your own. And so in addition to those calls that we'll be doing, you're going to get paired, Jeremy, um, you'll, you'll recognize this, you're going to get paired with someone else and you're going to be in charge of being each other's leader as well. And you're going to, you're, you're going to be having, yeah, they're going to have a buddy. <laughs> they're going to have a buddy. And so they'll meet, they'll talk on a biweekly basis. And the purpose of that is not only so that they can build community further and so that they can get to know each other and keep each other accountable but so that they can also understand what it is to be a leader to another person and what they can also understand what happens for example if you have a partner and that person keeps bailing out on your calls are you going to sit there and get bitter and start to gossip because that's usually what happens in the workplace or are you going to be able to be honest, have a conversation, and do some conflict resolution the way leaders need to know how to do? So this mastermind is really all about us coming together and me sharing concepts and strategies on how to overcome imposter syndrome, conflict resolution, effective communication, how to build confidence. LinkedIn branding is a huge thing that I do as well. And together, supporting each other throughout those for the six months that we have together. So that's really what it's all about. It's for 10 women. I'm keeping it at 10 women. I keep telling myself that because I will not do more than 10 <laughs> women. As soon as we get to 10, it's closing. 
I like tell myself because I'm like, I can be such a sucker about these things. I'll be like, oh, one more, one more. Ten women's what I'm doing it. So I want to keep it. Uh, I want to keep it intimate so that these people can really be in here mm-hmm. with a shared goal of wanting to reach that next level in their confidence, but specifically because they want to be leaders and they want to be people who can inspire other people to be leaders as well. And I work specifically with women because I do think there are unique things that women struggle with that aren't necessarily talked about when we talk about leadership or personal development and things like that. And I want to address those things. Like most women don't struggle with being overly confident or a jerk. Most women struggle actually by feeling insecure and not talking about their accomplishments. And so it's really important to be able to speak on what are the things that are happening here with women specifically. And so that's why I do it for that purpose is really the things that I want to talk about with women and the struggles that they have in leadership and getting them into positions of leadership because we have qualities to us that make us good leaders the same way that men have qualities to them that make them good leaders. Like men have naturally are very direct. You don't have to guess much. They're going to tell you what it is. Women tend to kind of fluff around. However, women are also very empathetic. Women tend to be very great at collaborators. They tend to think in that kind of way. Like how do we cooperate together as a team? So it's really important for me to begin to kind of just lift up what is this like feminine leadership? How can we see the qualities that we have as a strength and leverage that in the workplace so that we can actually be effective leaders in our own way, not trying to mimic what masculine leadership could look like, which is oftentimes where cattiness can come up, where you can have, um, and this has happened many times, where older leadership that are women, they tend to have gotten there by being ruthless, by being like these very, what people would consider bitchy people but that's how they had to do it in order to survive because 30 years ago it was a dog eat dog like there was no other way that they were going to get there so I think we're transitioning out of that and we're seeing that there's actually a lot of great qualities that women generally have that can be leadership so how do we leverage that so that's really my whole goal Mm -hmm. with the mastermind is for women to be able to see the power that they have and leverage that in their own leadership yes that's all I've got to say to that bloody love all of it oh I bloody love all of it <laughs> no, that's, that's really cool really, uh, I, I really like the I love your passion about it as well yeah. like you it's you know it's it's obvious that you really believe in what you're saying and what you're doing like you really want to help uh, all those women and 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 yeah you just believe it it's not it's, it's genuine and that makes it better and special you know which is great yeah thank you something i wanted to to ask you and it's actually a a question that's interesting because you were a coach and you're also being coached so i think you might have two different perspectives about my my question but um you know when again when at the beginning of your journey you when you left your job, you were like, I've got that much money. I need to have clients before this month. Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to make it, blah, 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 blah. And so there is always this voice in your head, like, I need to be careful with my money, obviously, and stuff like that. How did you decide to get a coach when you had a limited amount of money available? Yeah. And, you know. You never know if it's going to work, do you? Yeah. And it's like, is it is it going to be worth it? Uh you know, like there's always this chatter, I think, when you want to hire a coach, like when you are this place, like I need to be careful with my money, but am I going to spend half of my saving on that? Like, does that make sense? Is it stupid? Like, so yeah, can you tell us a little bit about your process 
going through that and also maybe answer it in a way that might help people who like to work with you but have this chatter in in their head? Yeah, that's such a great question, Jeremy. So first, when I decided to get my own coach, it came from the place where I recognized me as a coach one of my core values, just me as a person, one of my core values is integrity. And when I saw that, I began to see, okay, right now I don't, I feel very scarce. I was like, okay, I I can see how that's happening. I feel very scarce right now. And guess what? Surprise, most of the clients that are objecting to me, it's because they're scarce. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things when you find coaches and their biggest fear is that they keep, they're not going to have enough time. They don't have enough time. They don't have enough time. A lot of times the people that come to them and object to them are people who are saying they don't have time. It's Mm -hmm. this, it's like this, it's so weird the way that these Mm -hmm. unexplainable universal laws that you just attract what you are. It's just, it happens. And so I began to see that. And so when I thought about getting a coach, of course, course I was like oh my gosh the coach that I got in particular 4,500 for three months $4,500 for three months of coaching so I looked at that and I remember I was like okay and I just remember change yeah that's exactly I was like that's how I felt that that many food shopping right and I was thinking in that and one of the biggest things that I had to sink into for me is I am a coach And if I'm going to value myself and I'm going to encourage and invite and coach other people through their money objections, I've got to be able to handle my own. Because what does that say? Like, how is that in integrity? If I cannot grapple my money scarcity with hiring a coach, how in the world am I going to coach someone else through that? It just like began to, it literally, it was like the math ain't mathin'. I was like, I have to be able to, really be what I'm about, what I say, what I'm about. And it's, I, I see the value of coaching. Like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, coaching, investing in that coaching program is what saved me when I was in the, in the thick of missing, of grieving my father's death. So I know the power of coaching and having just a guide, having someone say, Hey, this is the next step. You just got it. You just got to make it to this thing right here. And once you get there, you just got to make it to this next thing right here. And I knew the power of it. So I recognized, you know what? I'm feeling really, really scared right now. And I know that this is the decision for me. I had to reconcile. I had to like see the chatter. I had to like feel it, see it, be with it. And I had to actually get clear on my core values, which is I do that work with my clients because I know how big it's been for me. I had to really get grounded in my core values and what I truly desired in my life, which is I, I really did want to coach and I am a person of integrity. So if I'm going to coach other people through their money objections on getting a coach, I've got to be able to be that person that handles my own money objections when I get my coach. And that was ultimately what led me through that. And so sometimes with people that have objections when it is about money, it's about coaching through that because I really do understand. Like I really understand what it feels like to not have that money and still invest in a coach. And the other thing too is because because most of my clients have never had a coach before, they just usually don't actually, they can't foresee what results they could actually have. So part of me is supporting them in that 
because it's like being able to visualize something you've never experienced before. And so yeah. part of my job is helping them do that because they're thinking it's forty five, like it's forty five hundred dollars, for example. In this, in you know, forty five hundred dollars for this three months, they're thinking in that terms when really it's more than that. It's the confidence that you're going to have. It's the community, the way you're going to be able to communicate with people. It's your ability to build community. It's your ability to love who you are. Like there's just so much more to it, but the mind again, only thinks about what's wrong, what's missing, what could go wrong. And so, yeah. So it's not seeing like, how does this actually transform the way that I, I see myself and the way that I build myself and the way that I interact with other people and the way that I show up in this world. And how does that impact other people? A lot of my clients have really amazing missions and it's like being able to help, you know, young kids, you know, coming out of poverty or a lot of communities of color. And it's like when you don't show up powerfully in your space, it doesn't just impact your life. It impacts the other people that are just waiting Mm -hmm. for someone like you to show up. And so a lot of my job as a coach is being able to help them see that. And I only know that because of my own experience of being able to work through my stuff. When I went to go hire my coach, when I knew damn well, I was like this it's got to work because I don't know what else I'm going to do. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like that resourcefulness that begins to to kick in. It's interesting what you said as well, because even though it's, you know, a certain price for a certain amount of time, it's not just that because like you said, it's, it's lessons that you'll take away with you for a lifetime. So like you might, you know, learn so much in that short amount of time that then you're just propelled forwards you know, probably two or three years of actual, <laughs> like not having the coach. So it's lessons that you're learning in such a short amount of time, but you can take on for the rest of your life. And it's, I think it's that that people sometimes don't quite see. They see it as like a, this much money for this much time. Exactly. This much money f- forever. Cause you're never going to lose these skills and this knowledge and all these things that you're learning. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. That you get, plus also like meeting people and, and the relationship that you're going to create. I think also yeah. that this it's hard to put a price tag on that but it's very valuable as well exactly and i think that's the big thing um because we all especially in a world where like corporate employee it's like everything's exchange money for hour oftentimes and so it's like breaking out of that pattern to begin to see that there's something much bigger here like i wound up doing six months with that coach so and back to back so i wound up six months nine thousand dollars was right there with this coach that i hired and so it was being able to see and the reason why i renewed even though i was still a little bit scared but at that point i had seen it i was like no like look how much i've done in these past three months what the hell can i do in three and in the next three months Mm. but i began to see it and it wasn't easy but it was easier than the first time because Mm. i actually began to see what happens in my life when I had, so she was my second coach, but she was my first one-on-one coach. Like this is my one-on-one, we meet every week. The first one was a program and she would do live coaching for anyone who would raise their hand. So there was an option to have support like that, but this was my first one-on-one coach. And I was really beginning to see the support that I was getting. So it was just, as you said, much bigger than what am I paying for the three months that I have? Or even worse, some people like, what am I paying for how many hours? And it's like, that is not how it actually is. It's like, you're paying for like this person's value, this person's knowledge, this person's like expertise, the way that they can guide you. There's just so much more there. Yeah. And also I think it's, it's, it's actually really interesting you say that because, you know, um, that might be some conversation uh, women have before signing with you, you know, it's like, oh, like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be paying that much to have this amount of phone call for this amount of time. That's 
low per hour or whatever. But what they don't see and now they know is that you also investing in yourself and to provide to provide them a level of expertise and a level of yeah that that will help them you are doing the work as well on your side and you're spending reinvesting the money spending money to get better to help those women even more yeah uh, and yeah. it's something we don't see usually you know like people don't talk about it most of the time it's, right. it's something that happened in the background that we don't know but when you know that it's not just you know to it's very important i think for sure absolutely and it's just again integrity it's like being able to see like yeah of course i value coaching of course i do it's like mm. i think it's amazing i think the w- the way that i've been able to transform my life has been so huge a part due to coaching and even going back to you know gratitude training where we started that was my first time really ever getting any sense of coaching was in gratitude training and so being in gratitude training did a lot for me in processing things they're really like there's still things that rooted in what i got out of that leadership training development program and so it's just about being that source of integrity and that can be a huge thing um, that entrepreneurs struggle with not um, integrity part could be but I'm talking more specifically charging prices and charging for their services that tends to be something that some entrepreneurs um, will really struggle with and so I think a big piece is like if you're not spending on your own thing on your own services then it I can see why you would struggle to charge other people for it like you've got to be able to be what you're about and live with integrity and actually know from a personal experience how you can work through that is always going to be way more effective in you being able to help someone else move through that yeah. and it's also really hard to sell something that you don't actually believe in <laughs> like <laughs> oh, if you're like sure. hey hi me I'm a coach but I actually don't <sighs> do that myself I don't really believe in coaches but coach, you, yeah. you should yeah <laughs> I mean it's like selling yeah, anything yeah. to anyone that you don't use yourself like skincare products oh should use this is really good for you but I I mean I don't use it because it's crap but you should use yeah. it you should buy it from me like it's right it's hard to sell something you don't actually believe in and use yourself so yeah that's part yeah of it as well yeah 100% agree yeah and also like what you said about gratitude and when you were talking about you get so much more than just the program you know we would not be having this conversation mm-hmm. without signing up to gratitude because we would have never met this podcast would never exist uh, oh my god this podcast so real. Would not be existing you know like uh-huh. so many things exist yeah. as a consequence of that but the program was totally different but we created many amazing relationships through this program that led to projects to business opportunities to meeting people through networking that you know it's uh yeah you when you sign up for it you don't see all the opportunities that are going to be open when you're done with it like you have no idea you you don't know what you don't know kind of thing right (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that's a huge reason why i am so motivated to with the mastermind and working with women and helping them get into leadership because it's being able to see like that ripple effect it's like a lot like i said i have you know one person who is really big on wanting to increase diversity in stem but she wants to focus on how do we get people into college that want to major in stem specifically like in the sciences because she's not very interested on the corporate level she's like it doesn't matter in, in like in her perception it doesn't matter in the company if they're not even getting to college and her experience is she meets a lot of people in high school who say they want to major who want to like be a doctor 
And she's like looking at their resume and she's just like, you needed to have started like two years ago. Like, where where have you been? But they genuinely don't know. So her whole thing is like, how do we fill that gap? How do we get more people who actually understand if you want to be a doctor, if you want to do you want to do these things or be an engineer or get into MIT or do these things, you've got to start earlier. And so being able to support her, it's like that's what I mean by ripple effect is like that person being able to be an effective leader is going to mean that there's going to be more people of color getting into STEM and those are the things that I'm like wow it's like there's so much that goes way more beyond than like a six-month mastermind but what comes out of that who are the leaders that come out of that what's the ripple Mm -hmm. effect that they have and I think that's the biggest thing of understanding it's like every action has a consequence so your the way that you make yourself small has a consequence and the way that you make yourself big has a consequence and I'm here to do the latter I want to help people get big. I want to help people live big because I know what it is to play small. I did it for for a long time. So it's like being able to do that because it's much, much bigger than a coaching program. I've just thought of a random question. Do you ever get worried that people might not take you seriously because of your age? Because that's something that I've like thought beforehand that like, oh, I'm only 30. How could I be helping people that are maybe older or maybe younger than me? Is that ever anything that crosses your mind? Or not at all, and I'm just completely... Yeah, no, it doesn't really cross my mind. Yeah, so for me, it's not so much... um, It's not so much the age. For me, actually, one of the... But I have... There's actually another person that I'm connected with, and that's one of her things, is she's a coach, and she's young, and she feels that's a a huge thing for her. So I know that that is something that people experience um, the same way that, like, some people really experience the struggle with charging for their services. Like some people mm. really it's struggle like with that. syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like really struggling with it. And so for me, one of my big things is I never really had an issue charging for my services. My issue was more so around um, whenever I got an objection. Like whenever someone would say no, I'd be like, all right, they can't do it. It's just over. It's all done. And I had to like really begin to understand like that. That was my thing right there. And then the other thing is actually um, where I would feel that kind of fear is if especially if a man came to me and that man was older, Mm. I would get that. And I've had that happen. Like, even though, you know, Empowered Change, I usually, most of my clients are women. If someone comes to me and they're a man and they're coming to me, I also honor, like, there's a reason this person's called to me because I'm very obvious about what I'm marketing. So I don't deny people either. If someone comes to me, it's actually very curious for me. I'm like, okay, this person sees something. And I think it says, I'm like actually honored because I know how hard it can be to find a coach that you resonate with. Um, It's like for me, I never really found a therapist that I resonated with. So I know how hard it can be to find someone. So when this person came to me and I was like having the consult, I just remember being like, I mean, he's kind of older. He's a dad. He's like, you know, he works at this, like, I I felt that. And it was more like this women, man, like he's older than me, but it was, I think, I don't even think it was the older, the age. Cause I have older women. It was like, he's a, he's a man. He's like a grown ass man. And for me, I felt <laughs> like this, like, it was like this thing where I was beginning to feel small. And so I had to clean up a lot of that stuff. I had to coach myself. I had to clean up a lot of that stuff. And I had to get real with myself. Like, can I support this person? Like objectively, can I look at this and can I support this person? And when I reached that, yes, I was like, okay. So I, I see it in many different ways and I think it's a reflection of our upbringing. It's a reflection of certain, you know, conditioning that we have had around Mm. what are the things, but some people it's age, some people it's charging for their services, some people it's um, the identity of the other person. It can vary. So I've seen that come up for me, but in other ways. Mm. So, you know, at the, 
at the beginning when we started talking we talked about the the struggles that you were expected when you started this journey uh the money discussion the am i going to be able to do that discussion stuff like that uh but now when with more experience and and when you look back at it what are the struggles that you experienced that you didn't expect at all would be problem when you started Mm, what are the problems that i didn't expect yeah yeah okay so i think a big part for me has actually been the overworking of myself is Mm -hmm. one and then the systems and structure that I, I touched upon briefly. So first with overworking myself, you know, I definitely was like, okay, going in, I'm like, okay, I've got to be able to get some clients, all these different things, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't really actually foresee the way that I would burn myself out because I would just work, 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 work. And then I would reach a wall and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm actually exhausted. And I would have to, like the first time it happened, it was like maybe... It was maybe like four months into my entrepreneurship journey. I completely burned myself out. And literally I knew I was burnt out because I slept like nine hours for like three nights and I was still tired. Like I was still like so tired during the day. And it's like, I literally had worked myself to the place where my body just needed rest beyond like a night or two. So I think the overworking of myself, um, a big thing is being able to actually set these boundaries, being able Mm -hmm. to actually have work hours and be efficient within those work hours and not work during the hours outside of that. So that was one thing I wasn't actually expecting to see myself burn myself out like that. And then the second thing, systems and structures. So with systems and structures, like that was like, actually understanding and this is a huge problem in the coaching industry is coaches go in and they are everything they're everything and everyone and they just they run like on a hamster wheel and it's like all the time all the time and so one of the big things that I didn't expect really was I didn't expect to actually see how can my business run without me working all the time I just hadn't thought about it in that way because I had gone from employee to entrepreneur. So I never like, it's just that muscle. I had never practiced that muscle. Like what does it look like to have a vision for a business? That's not me running it all the time. And so that was another thing. And I'm actually in the midst of that right now of like adding in structure. I'm on Kajabi. Now I have my PayPal. I'm beginning to um, integrate like my emails. Like these are all, things that I've been doing over the past like four months because I'm recognizing like, oh, okay, systems and structures. I need to have that in place because this isn't, this isn't sustainable, nor do I, I Mm, want to do this all the time. I don't want to work all the time. I want to be able to have space to be able to have balance with my partner, with my dog, going home, vacation, that was the other problem I didn't anticipate seeing. I, ne- I had never thought about that because I had never been a CEO. I had never seen on a business level, like, what does it look like? And I think that's one of the biggest problems with people that go into business is they go into it and they don't see the vision. They don't see where do they want to be five years from now. 
And so they're just grinding, 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 but there's no vision. And so that's the problem I didn't foresee. I didn't foresee how not having that vision was going to lead to me just grinding on a regular basis, but going like this and I'm not actually growing so that I can put systems and structures and have less time in the business while still having impact. So that was the other problem. Talking about vision, where do you see yourself going with the company? You just mentioned it. Like, do you say, do you see yourself hiring people? Do you like, how do you see it working out and progressing? Yeah, absolutely. So I 100% see myself hiring people. So what I foresee is I really love the mastermind that I'm launching. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to continue to do my mastermind launches. And what I want to be able to do with that is continue to grow that and have coaches that are under me and begin to also, I would mentor them as well. And they would have mentors as well, but then coaches under me. And then that way I can have a team of people and it's just not me coaching all of the time so that's what I really I mainly don't want to be doing is burning myself out and coaching especially like one-on-one full-time like I want to be able to have a bigger impact so yes I want to have a team of coaches in addition to that I also want to be able to finalize a course like actually build out a course that people can go through so that in that course would be again going really into career transition and leadership So those things, so that's what I would foresee is having a course and being able to grow my team so that I have coaches under me. And that way there's a bigger team of people that are coaching and they would come in like special guest coasts. Like this week, it's going to be Rosie coming in coaching as opposed to Alejandra coming in coaching. So that's how I would see it growing and growing. And then also I mentioned I'm the co-founder of Opti Wellbeing Solutions, which provides corporate wellness programs to companies. And so my big thing as well is I want to be able to grow that because that's going to be something that we grow and going into companies, providing corporate wellness programs. And I want to be able to contribute to that as well, because I am a huge advocate for health. And I think we have all seen what can actually improve in your life if you begin to take your health to the next level and you begin to take care of your health so that's another thing that i want to do and that's why i'm also thinking more strategically now i'm like okay i really have to be able to run a business not just something not just a job that i have every day but i'm all the people how do i actually run a business so that i can begin to put my time and other things that are also going to have a big impact and so that's been a huge thing i think teamwork having people work under me continue to grow the masterminds so that they can get beyond 10 people because we're going to have more coaches and so that's my ultimate goal is continuing to have these grow and have a course as well i love that like the main thing that you said there is have impact it wasn't about I want to be rich I want to have a big house and I'm sure these are things that you want as well like have lots of money go on holidays do all these things but the main thing was like I want to impact people's lives with both of the companies it's about okay how can I impact the most amount of people not even quickest and easiest like no it's not even about that but how can I implement systems that helps me help people I love that that was your response yeah and it yeah absolutely to make it sustainable right I think that's a huge thing because I mean, that's ultimately what can burn someone out and just quit altogether is not having the systems and structures in place. And a lot of that really is just being able to find the support where you need as well. So I began to also hire out some things that I need help with um, and just be able to see that. Like I had to really begin to put like CEO hat on like, what does a CEO think like? Because I had never, again, I had never been that before. So I had to, 
I had to alleviate some of that like day to day. What do I need to do right now, right now, right now, putting out fires. And I had to be like, okay, how do I think like a CEO? How do I actually create business and strategy and a vision for the company? And that's where I begin to invest more into other things like being able to have someone help me with Kajabi, being able to have a videographer capture content for me. Like that's when I begin to think more like a CEO and less like a day to day, like struggle, like hustle, 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 hustle. Because again, from that place, the impact is minimized because I'm burning myself out and I'm doing things that are like one on one as opposed to being able to see things on a much bigger scale, which requires vision. You just mentioned about having a videographer come and help you video. And I know that you're talking about your public speaking, which is something I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wow, I'm in awe because that's something that would terrify me. But when did, because I know you've done a couple of things, when did that start? And is that something that you were terrified to do? Or are you completely chill? Like, talk to me about your public speaking. Oh my gosh, I love public speaking. So Really? Yes. I, oh my God. I, <laughs> I can't believe anyone would actually enjoy it. That's why I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It is so much fun. And it's one of those things, again, when I think about impact, I'm like, I'm now in front of like, 60 people and I'm yeah. delivering the same message that I deliver with like my one-on-one -on -one clients. But now there are 60 women here that get to listen to this. So that was that uh, particular case. And yeah. the way that started, I mean, for me, certainly it was not something that was easy or something that just rolled off the, the tongue. Actually, the first time I decided I wanted to get into public speaking, I think I was in gratitude training. And I think on my like goals, it was to join a mastermind. And I can't remember exactly yeah, why. Master. Yeah, Toastmasters. That's what yeah. I meant to say, Toastmasters. And so I can't remember exactly why I wanted to join Toastmasters at that time. Like, I don't know what triggered me to be inspired to want to do public speaking, but I definitely remember that I was like, okay, I'll go and do Toastmasters because I've heard that helps you with public speaking. And when I went to Toastmasters and I, I just went the first time and then the second time I decided to do the one where you actually go up and speak and I I like signed myself up and you had like a five minute speech. I think you're able to do a five minute speech. And oh my God, the Virgo in me went bananas. Like I was like writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And I was just like, that's awful. And I was just erasing everything. And I'm just like rewriting over and over and over and over and over again. And as I'm going to Toastmasters, I'm literally recording myself and telling my speech over and over again. And I'm like, that's terrible. And I'm like starting over the video. It was so, and like, I feel my heart rate is just beginning to like, get a little bit elevated as I'm on my way there. And once I get there, I'm like, oh my God, now I'm there and like my, my palms are super sweaty and I'm just like, please just call on me now so that I can go up. And that was my very first time that I could say was like actually public speaking, you know, not just like raise my hand and say something, but genuinely like I prepared something, I'm up here and I'm speaking. And I was really afraid and terrified to do it. What I really loved is Toastmasters is if you, because it's a container specifically for that, it felt like a safe space for me because people yeah. are there to learn. And a lot of them, you know, some of them are really good and they just practice, but some people really go there and they're, they just, it, they suck. They suck because they, they want to learn. And that's what I love. I'm like, we're here. We suck because we're going to get better. It's amazing. And so it's yeah. a safe space to do that. And so I went up there, I did my talk and the first time I did it, I knew that I was a natural. I knew that I had an ability to public speak because 
although I for sure had things that I needed to work on and things like that. Either way, though, I knew that I had an ability to prepare something and speak it and not like crumble. Like my voice didn't really shake like that. I think at one point it maybe did, but I told a story. So that was my first aha. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I have, I have a knack for this. So I kept doing that Toastmasters and then COVID. So we stopped doing that there. But then once I became an entrepreneur, then I was really, really, I had to practice so much of that because it wasn't public speaking and like I'm in front of a group of people live, but I have to record something. I have to be concise. I have to be impactful with my words because we know, especially with reels, we got 30 seconds or a minute and I'm here to share a message. So I began to practice that over and over and over again. So the creation of social media content really helps. Toastmasters started it off. Creation of content really helped. And so now I've been getting to a place where I just refine more and more. I definitely want to do a, um, like a speaker training program. I think that would be really nice for me to just refine the skills that mm-hmm. I have. But that's where it started for me. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, this is awesome. This is going to be easy for me. But it was something that I recognized I had a natural ability for and I wanted to leverage that ability. So when I was invited to speak at this event, I was ecstatic. I was like, absolutely, I would love to. And I love it because I know that it's my way of being able to share with more people. And I'm also able to have more exposure to more people. It's like now more people know about me. So if they resonate with me, now they know where to find me. Now they know where I am. So it's really great on both ends because I'm able to share a message that I think is really important and other people get to find someone that could potentially be someone that they want to work with or someone that they simply want to follow on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. So that's where I am now. I definitely want to continue doing public speaking gigs and I would love to, especially locally, because I really do love, you know, things locally here in Miami, but you know, Mm. I would love to be able to grow that into like going to a conference or doing virtual things as well, because I do have a really good time. I was going to ask you if you have like a big goal, like a lot of people who enjoy public speaking are like, I want to do a TED talk. Is that on your to-do list for the future, somewhere you're aiming for? Or do you have any other goals that you would like to do in terms of public speaking? Yeah. So there are, it's funny, it was actually a gift, but it's under my bed. There is a big red circle it's like a red circle rug under my bed and it's like the TED talk red circle. Mm. And so I do have a vision of having a TED talk. I do visualize that occasionally where I'm having a TED talk. And then I also have this specific, like, so I don't have a specific goal in terms of like, you know, how many conferences a year or things like that. I do want to go on a TED talk because I mean, it's TED talk. It's like the, the Mecca of all these, all these places. And so I really love that. The other thing that I visualize as well is me attending some conference. And I just like always see the same thing where like I close my eyes and it's like, so please introduce Alejandro Hernandez. And I'm like walking up the stairs and I have my outfit and I sit down on this sofa chair and it's like nice and cozy. And I introduce myself to the person and we're having like a dialogue. So I'll have these like visualizations of these places that I desire to be and the way that I want to communicate with people. But I don't necessarily have like how many conferences or how many people um it's just something that I absolutely like I want to keep showing up in such a way where people know that that is a possibility like yes I am someone Mm -hmm. who would really enjoy to come and speak at your event if that's something that you're looking for anything related to women's confidence overcoming imposter syndrome women in the workplace leadership and even health like being able to like think about mindfulness I'm all about that so I loved that 
I brought that videographer in because I wanted to be able to capture that because it was really special for me, but then also mm-hmm. showcase it to other people so that people know. It's like, that's one of the biggest things as an entrepreneur. It's like, people got to know who you are. And so you've got to be able to put that out there. And so that was my ultimate thing with that. So I look forward to more of those conversations happening. I think also with the videographer, it makes you more, what's the word? Like, Jeremy, what's the word? Like you've invested money to have a videographer there to pay to video you and to create a really, really gorgeous video of that event. Yeah, and it makes you more serious about your business. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just a friend with an iPhone, like you've actually invested in somebody to create a really beautiful video. And I think it makes it, yeah, more legit, more serious, more reliable. I don't know. It, it kind of adds, like, you're, you're paying to make your quali- the quality of your content better. And I think yeah. that really helps your business because it's like, okay, this girl really cares about what she's doing. She cares about the message she's portraying <clears throat> and what she wants people to know about her. And, like, it's, it's so important that you've invested even, you know, from coaching, but also having videographers and having different things like photo shoots. I know you've done that before as well. And yeah. And these things really... I think impacts, you know, as a viewer, I can see that you really care about what you're doing and you're putting in the effort. You're not just showing up and be like, hey guys, like you're actually doing more than that as well. And I I really appreciate that in content creators. I think it's good that you're, you know, doing that. And putting yourself out there because it's it's scary. I know that the photo shoot was like a big deal for you as well to like be in front of the camera. (laughs) Yeah, no, but it's brilliant that you're doing that. Oh my gosh. You can really see the difference in the quality as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can really tell a difference in that. So thank you for that. And I think that does bring up a big point about, you know, anyone who desires to go into entrepreneurship, but regardless of where you are right now, like if, for example, you want to be a leader in the workplace, let's say that's your thing, you want to be a leader in the workplace, but let's say you're not a manager and you don't have direct reports, you've got to start being that leader right then and there. I don't care if you're Mm. a coordinator. How can you be a leader? How can you be proactive? How can you communicate more effectively? How can you pitch in your creative ideas? How can you actually bring solutions forth as opposed to being told what to do? You can begin practicing leadership in that very moment. And that was that moment for me with getting the videographer was my moment of like, this is a business. This is a business. I'm a team of one and it's a business. So I had to be that person right then and there. And I was like, I'm going to invest in this. And, you know, you bring up a great point, Rosie. Like I did go there and there were other speakers there and they were like, that, who's videographer is that? You got a videographer? They were just like so surprised. And I'm like, yeah, that's my videographer. And she's going to be capturing, she'll be like capturing me, da, 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 da. And I would go around and I would talk to other women. I'd be like, that's my, you know, say hi and things like that. And it was just like this, it was really a shift in how I identify and who I am. And that's where everything needs to start. It needs to shift in who you believe you are. And it's shifting your identity, regardless of what circumstance you have, you can begin to practice the person you want to be right now, no matter where you are Mm. and I think that's a huge practice that I was beginning to do at that moment I think as well from what I just said I think it probably sounded like being on Instagram and like hey guys is a bad thing I think having a balance of both is the best way to go because you're not like super professional where it's not natural and authentic yeah. yeah and you're not you know I think having the balance there I think you're doing it right with what you're doing Oh, yeah. I hop on my stories. Yeah, all the time. And yeah, the camera, I I actually had a more uncomfortable time, I feel like with 
my photo shoot than I did. I don't know. I'm like kind of thinking through it. I was very uncomfortable <laughs> during my photo shoot. It was very, very uncomfortable for me. And so that it, that's the interesting thing about people and their different um, struggles. It's like it can be so different. Like someone would be totally fine doing a photo shoot and public speaking yeah. is like the terror and they can't figure it out. For me, a uh, photo shoot is uh, very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> You did good. You looked beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely want to do another one um, sometime soon. I think would be really nice to do another one. <laughs> so if people want to reach out to you, see what you do, get in touch, uh, what's the best way to, to find you online? Oh my gosh. Yes. So on Instagram, you can find me at Empower Change. And that's actually spelled Empower Change, E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R change so i added a h in there empower change is where i am on instagram you can also find me on linkedin if you just google alejandra hernandez empower change and i'm also on tiktok although i don't post on there as much so instagram and linkedin are going to be your best ways to get in touch with me to be able to see my content that is where i am most active and if you really have any questions on anything in particular sometimes i will take those and create content out of it so you're more than welcome to reach out to me and for the mastermind you can also find me on both of those channels to learn more about that learn about my mastermind if you're ready to level up in your career if you want to go into business if you're ready to be a leader and you're struggling with some imposter syndrome you can reach out to me about the six-month mastermind awesome one last question we asked you this last time but i want to see if you come up with another answer <laughs> i do remember who you say so if you could have a conversation with anyone dead or alive that you think is the most interesting person ever who would you pick and why i would pick my dad i would pick my dad i'd love to have a conversation with my dad because um, one of the things that hurts my heart is I don't actually know a lot about him. You know, he, he wasn't much of a talker, especially of his childhood, probably for some traumatic reasons. I would love to have a conversation with my dad and learn more about his life. Thank you so much for this episode. Thank you for sharing your journey. I'm sure so many people are relating to everything you've gone through, all your struggles, the highs and lows and it's always wonderful talking to you. So thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, and everybody listening, we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you leave us a review. Make sure you follow Alejandra on her social channels. We'll leave everything linked in the show notes or description box. Make sure you do all of the things. Thank you once again, Alejandra. We love you so much. And it was brilliant talking to you. Oh, See you guys next you. week, guys. Bye.